So thank you all for coming to Cock Talk. He has trouble counting change with the with the with the hands thing. Wait, wait, stop. Sorry. Yes, but I don't yeah. think that Dana Carvey's movie um, coming out at that same time was really that big a problem for our country. I still don't know why you're making such a big deal about September 11th, 2001. I mean, I fucking hate you. Well, you know, they don't necessarily need to be anathema, but they are definitely on different ends of the spectrum. Oh boy, how? See, I have every, a genetic predisposition every, against redheads, so because yeah, because you are one, right? Yeah, combustion. Yeah, we've yeah. heard it before. Yep. The only time I change the setting so, is when so, I take the okay. uh, hair trimmer down to the nether regions. Like that's the only time. Other than that, it's all just a two. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I just don't How about you all? I'm joking. I use V. After the four Gospels, what's the next book of the Bible? Acts. Okay. And after that, it's Romans, isn't it? I'm drunk. Um, yeah, Romans. Okay, yeah. Yes. Okay. And if you look at the 15th chapter of Romans, okay, uh, you will find that it actually mentions uh, the ability to arm yourself. That's why it's AR-15. Thank you. Checkmate atheists. And, and anytime there's action in the ring, Scott Hall is taking all the bumps because Kevin Nash kind of sucks as a worker. Ed's not here uh, because he has to work and I work in a different district, so we don't have to work yet. But I got for us, you know, I'm a big believer in the 1990s model of wrestling supercards. If you have the Ultimate Warrior drop out, you try to get Bret Hart to come in. And so that's what I've done as best I could. Uh, so joining us today from North Carolina, I assume, uh, is uh, Dr. Professor Gabriel Cruz. Gabriel, hey. how you doing? I'm good, Damien. And I'm also glad that I got your name right this time. I apologize <laughs> for that one TikTok video. Um, <laughs> it's okay. Nobody uh, can hear a misspelling. It's fine. Yeah. Nah. <laughs> um, so, no, I, I'm, I'm glad to be here. I'm glad to be uh, a beneficiary of your quota system. You've replaced one surly bearded Catholic with another. Uh, I, I try it, to stay as close to the card as I can. You know? they, call, they call it progress. Oh. <laughs> um, Yes, I'm coming from North Carolina. Uh, I'm excited to uh, do this today, especially what we got going on with um, uh, with today's uh, subject matter because it is it's rife for discussion. <laughs> cool. Well, uh, let's see. Uh, those of you who don't know, uh, Gabriel Cruz uh, is uh, he's a professor out in North Carolina, uh, so there, that takes care of our credentials. He's you know we have a middle schooler, a high schooler, and now a uh, super high schooler. Uh, as far as teachers go, uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, communications professor, uh, as I recall. Yeah, uh, I just started um, 
uh, recently a job where I, I first tenure track job of my career. Congratulations. Um, the, this fall of 2022 marks the 10th year that I'll be teaching and uh, finally got a tenure track job. And yeah, it's uh, it's good. I'm a media studies professor. Uh, mm -hmm. That is my assistant professor. So that is my official title and rank. Nice. Very cool. Well, I'm Damien Harmony. I am a U.S. history teacher and a Latin is on its last legs teacher. Uh, it's literally been put on hospice care in the last two years, and we're doing palliative care this year. So after this, I will only be a social science teacher again. So it was a fun run, but mm -hmm. much like the Roman Empire, it died a slow and agonizing death. So well, I feel like the uh, uh, ecclesial last, uh, Latin is going to make a comeback when when Vatican three hits hits the books. You know, I, I feel it coming. I listen to your uh, episodes on on the popes and uh, um, John Cena and Walter White, and I, I feel like we're <laughs> due for another for you know a resurgence. Yeah, no, I I would love to see the rubber match that uh, we finally decide is it uh, the old school or the new school that's going to take Catholicism into the new millennium. So, mm -hmm. boy, oh boy. So, speaking of internalized trauma, uh, so today, <laughs> uh, today we're doing a subject that is near and dear to my heart. And uh, I thought uh, of all the times to have Ed miss, but also to have you on, this would be the perfect one. Uh, so, do you have a favorite comic book character? Oh, yeah. It's uh, it's Nightcrawler. Um, really? Yeah, it is the Catholic uh, thing, or just the... well, it, no. It's it's because um, I grew up watching him in the X Men Evolution cartoon, where he was trying to blend into normative uh, human society with a holographic watch, made him appear like a white dude. Okay. And as a biracial kid who grew up in white spaces and tried really hard to blend in, like that spoke to me. Also, the Catholic thing, and he looks cool. He, he looks does. like a demon. He like, does, and he was funny. So yeah, and, well, yeah. The, the the second tier to that was Gambit, who was like the Southern man that I always wanted to be who could talk to girls and just didn't get there so uh, you know but <laughs> the tall thin order, one with good hair right right well yeah. i had the good hair i just wasn't <laughs> tall i was in, not even thin so you know yeah <laughs> right no i i feel that i really do uh that's <laughs> it's funny um i i totally vibe with the uh the nightcrawler thing but you're totally showing my age by mentioning a ca a cartoon that i never even saw because i was already an adult by that point um, although <laughs> I have children and the Disney Plus channel, so I might go back and watch that. My exposure to Nightcrawler, which I loved him, by the way, absolutely loved him, was in the old TSR Marvel game. Uh, so mm -hmm. TSR made a Marvel game. It's a terrible mechanic. Um, and Nightcrawler and Spider-Man were the two characters who had amazing agility. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that was really cool to me. And he looked distinctive. He was a blue demon. Mm -hmm. He was really cool looking. I don't know. I, I vibe with like deep blue colored, uh, superheroes and beast in that game was still human formed. Mm -hmm. Uh, so, cause he was just transitioning to the blue, blue, and furry. not quite a war criminal yet. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so yeah. not quite a eugenist, um, or at least a latent one. <laughs> yeah. So, but I always dug him because yeah. he was hella smart you know yeah. and athletic yeah. but at the same time as i get older it's like oh he is on the wrong side every time it's it's it, it's a good metric to know in a, in a story arc where should i be oh there's beast i should step over here yeah uh, oh yeah. oh where's respectability politics there's beast okay uh -huh. let me let me see what what cable's saying then right uh yeah but uh <laughs> but i loved nightcrawler the mm -hmm. first time i saw him in cartoon form and i thought you were going to say this which again shows my age the amazing Spider-Man and his amazing friends, 
um, had a couple ish or had a couple episodes where mm-hmm. he runs into the uh, the X Men and Nightcrawler. My son, I, I showed him this when he was much younger. Nightcrawler, basically, I think they were like controlled by uh, arc- arcade or somebody like that. There was some sort of like blended. Let's get all the superheroes in there. And Nightcrawler would pop around and going, ha ha, ha ha, ha ha. And so that's the voice I've almost always had associated with Nightcrawler. That, <laughs> And then there was also there was a cartoon that my brother and I watched uh, when I was a kid uh, when you could rent VHSs. Mm-hmm. And it was Kitty Pride of the X-Men or Pride of the X-Men mm. where they used an Australian's uh, voice for Wolverine. It was weird. It was really weird. Okay. And Nightcrawler was in there and he had a much more featured role. So those were my two yeah. uh, exposures to Nightcrawler because he didn't show up in the uh, the classic X-Men. He has two. No, he has There's one like, episode. That's it's it. One, one episode called Bloodlines. And I know that because okay. I'm it, it's a it's a mystique storyline where mm-hmm. he's a, a fact. I'm sorry. He has two storylines, that one and another one where he's hiding out in a monastery. And some of the people are like, there's a demon in the church. And so like Wolverine tries to get about that kind of thing. Okay. Um, I have a book chapter under review at the moment. Uh, where I do a uh, critical race, class, and gender analysis of Mystique as an exploited laborer uh, in that series. And so that's how I know what episode it right. was. Right, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he didn't show up in the background when they were on Geonosia. Or, mm. or yeah, Genosha. Yeah, Genosha, G- yeah. Yeah, yeah. Geonosha is a, a portmanteau of that and, and the place where Django Fett died. So... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So anyway, my anyway. one of my favorite superheroes is mm-hmm. similarly agile, um, mm-hmm. but by no means uh, as respected or respectable. And that is the character named Speedball, mm. uh, Robbie Baldwin. Um, and he underwent one hell of an arc from about 2006 through fairly recently, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Prior to that, he was all kind of one note that I loved, and that's why he was one of my favorites. And then he goes through this huge traumatic shift um, because he's part of the New Warriors. So uh, today's episode is Speedball's internalized traumas are a liberal fantasy. Mm-hmm. So this seems like a reasonable time to uh, point out that I study comic books. I'm a comic study scholar. Uh, yes. This seems relevant to this conversation. <laughs> also, uh, just as a disclaimer, you know, um, that means that I study comic books and particularly superhero narratives. Mm-hmm. I do not have an encyclopedic knowledge of these characters. So I had to do some brushing up on like Spider-Man's arc during Civil War as well as spe- uh, Speedballs uh, in order to sort of, you know, try to catch ground. But I'm I'm excited to learn even more from you, Damien, with your unreasonably well-researched uh uh, presentation <laughs> unreasonably well researched i really like yeah. that uh, it's like my friend who was unreasonably good smelling <laughs> that's like, she she had right. no business smelling that good that okay you know what <laughs> i know what that's like though i get yeah. that yeah <laughs> uh so um the the opening exposure to speedball that that i found is and speedball is a steve ditko and tom defalco creation and you might be able to speak more to that because i don't know high from hell water when it comes to creators i think that's the difference between a a unreasonably well-researched uh love of characters and somebody who is big into comic analysis for their career yeah so ditko and defalco created him so defalco i'm less familiar with but ditko is one of the greats right uh Mm -hmm. he's up there he helped to invent spider-man actually i think he right 
Um, credit is often given to Stan Lee and Steve Ditko, but if we're being honest, I think Steve Ditko had more to say about the development of the character because mm-hmm. the con- the concept came from Stan Lee, in, right. in fairness to him, but Ditko pretty much shaped the character and gave us the life that he did um, and was, you know, one of the uh, creators who helped tell those stories, those early stories um, for a few years and then and sort of laid the groundwork of like you know peter parker being in school and all that kind of stuff and right uh, and what have you and certainly the look was was uh definitely uh ditko but ditko is in the same conversation as people like um jack kirby uh or you know even people like archie Gubin or john ramita um and those folks okay yeah because i remember ditko's name at the bottom of amazing fantasies that kind of thing uh mm-hmm. or shortly thereafter um, and that makes sense a lot, actually, given what we're about to discover about Speedball and, and his origins. Um, Tom DeFalco, uh, I don't know much from him. He seems like he was a, a later, later comer on. Um, but he he was he's as I recall, he was fairly big in in comic creation circles for a while there. Um, just I, I remember seeing his name a lot. Again, it's a name that I've seen, but I'm not as yeah. well familiar with. But I'm thinking, uh, I'm trying to remember when Ditko got out of writing and what their overlap would have been in terms of timing. Because if Defalco was a younger guy, then we're probably talking a handoff. Yeah, we're we're yeah. probably talking like in the in the seventies, maybe eighties. Well, uh, this speedball comes to us in the late eighties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That so, would make sense. Yeah. yeah. Now, also, there's another guy who's who's pretty um, instrumental in mm-hmm. speedball's development and and in the new warriors and that is fabian Niz. i can't ever say his name because there's too many consonants in the middle nice keza Nis- no okay well, he is like the great grandpappy of the new warriors and okay. i should probably have his name down better but i, uh-huh. I don't because latin screwed me up for everything if if anybody has any questions about that go find the episodes where i try to say french things it's <laughs> But French has a Latin root. Yes, but French is if you speak Latin with a lot of wine in your belly, in cursive, and marbles in your mouth. Like, <laughs> like it, it will be the first language to become fully telepathic because half the word is already implied. Like, okay. it's, it's fair. It's fair. Like, like, French, reading it, I can understand it syntactically, grammatically, and in terms of the roots. But hearing mm. it, I've... I'm lost. Like, how do you add a letter to a word to make it a plural? And then suddenly you take away a syllable. Like, that's not fair. <laughs> it, it reminds, have you seen uh, Prey? No, not yet. Okay. I won't give too much away, but okay. it does uphold what I believe to be one of the few eternal truths. Um, and that is that there's no situation that the French can't make worse. Um, <laughs> I'm looking so, forward. Yeah. So Prey is the, uh, the, the prequel to Eat, Pray, Love, right? It's it's in that it's in that genre okay, uh, to cool. be sure. <laughs> it's it, you it, uh, the eating is uh-huh. is very integral to okay, that. Good, good. You, you are you are praying, and the love bit that's a bit dicey. Um, okay, there is a fair amount of exchange of bodily fluids, not necessarily in a loving manner. Okay, <laughs> like like when I saw us as the prequel to This Is Us, I was disappointed. Oh no. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so. In the very first uh, issue uh, of Speedball, page one, uh, the masked Marvel from September of 88, it says in, on the very first page, you know, where they, they used to be like, you know, show you the action, like mm-hmm. Daredevil fighting the owl. And it's like, how did we get here? And then mm-hmm. you know, 
says, quote, you wouldn't think that Robbie Baldwin had any serious problems. After all, he has two loving parents who want only the best for him. What's more, Rob is well-liked by his friends and teachers at Springdale Central High. And while he's no Einstein, his grades are respectable. But something's happened to Rob. He's been changed by mysterious forces, forces which he fears may overwhelm him. Robbie desperately wants to understand what's happened to him and to master the incredible energies which seethe within him. The question is, does he have the time? So that's the first issue of the Speedball Limited series. Um, so it, it feels very Spider-Man-y to me mm-hmm. in that it is obviously puberty that we're talking about. Okay, yes, <laughs> sure, I follow. Yeah. Yeah. Now, this is not actually where his story starts, though. Uh, Robbie Baldwin was the cover star of the Amazing Spider-Man annual number 22 from January of 88. Mm-hmm. So January of 88, we see him for the first time, and he is smack dab in the middle. And you got mm-hmm. Spider-Man off to the left and Daredevil off to the right, as those two often team up in the in mm-hmm. the annuals. Uh, and it literally says, move over Spidey, enter Speedball. I was like, born that year. Oh, my God. my brother is older than you and i always see my brother as a as a four-year-old um so so yeah in january of 88 we we see him exposed and then in uh like i said september of 88 he gets his own limited run Mm -hmm. uh which which is uh 10 issues and it is every bit as bad and wonderful as as one the 80s imagine. were a wild time for yeah. comics like the the mid to late 80s into the early to mid 90s was just full throttle everything and so i guess it makes sense then you have a character whose like power is is kinetic manipulation right yeah and and manipulation is generous because he uh-huh. has no idea how to control it it's yeah but yes it is in fact that like yeah and yeah so you know if you're if it's the if you're in that you know that full throttle uh you know God, what's where I'm looking for? Sort of heavy metal kind of comics era. Then yeah, mm-hmm. someone who can make stuff explode stands to reason. Okay, that's good. Yeah, and the explosion doesn't come until he has a, a bit of a, a metamorphosis later, mm-hmm. actually. So okay. a, as it stands, his powers. So so for people who know, and I I told my friend friend of the show uh, Tim Tim Watts, who is also a comic book creator. By the way, feel free to call up uh, Empire Comics in Sacramento and secure your copy of The Republic. It's a really good comic. Tim uh, finally published. But I told him I was doing this podcast on Speedball. He was like, why? <laughs> so, which I am like the least hipster hipster there is because I'm finding like obscure and obnoxious, mar- obnoxious Marvel characters. Yeah. Like, yeah. I'm not going independent. I'm not even going with, like, well, I like Jack of Hearts or anything like that. No, it's it's Speedball. <laughs> Especially of the New Warriors, because there were people with, like, greater claims to fame yes. than Speedball. <laughs> yeah, within the New Warriors. Yeah. yeah. It's all true. Uh, I've still yet to find an action figure of him. I found one of Night Thrasher, uh, but I have not yet picked it up. So, right. uh, the dad life. So, uh, the the Spider-Man annual of 88, uh, it starts with uh, a, a this, the, the title page is, I believe it's um, Gang War Rages On uh, or Drug War Rages On or Rages. Uh, and it starts with suited drug dealers reading the Daily Bugle with their like reject gang from the Warriors movie playing craps in the background. 
So you have, you know, very much a, a tiered system there. Mm-hmm. It's so very 1988. Like there's half shirts galore on mm-hmm. the, uh, the street thugs. And of course it's in a warehouse because urban blight um, and 1988, it, it just, mm-hmm. it's, it's easy writing. Um, Spider-Man breaks in and starts beating them all up. Uh, he turns the criminals into a beat cop and he goes off to get the film developed before heading home to MJ. Cause this is the pre-digital era. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in the, the, what do you call it? Where it's the box text. Is that just box text or narrative text exposition? I think that's, box? I think that's uh, editor text. I say. Okay. Okay. So the editor text says with visions of redhead swimming in his mind, Spider-Man play, pays little heed to the gutter and the glitz of Broadway beckoning below. Now you were here for our Punisher episode, and I went in deep on urban blight and crime mm-hmm. in in New York. So, folks, uh, just scroll back to find that. But at this point, uh, just for a quick primer, it's New York uh, in the waning term of Ed Koch. Urban blight was a thing that was still very much in the mind of New Yorkers that they wanted to forget by '88, and the trappings of wealthy New Yorkers would show that. So, you know, pump up Times Square, pump up Broadway. Mm-hmm ignore the the blocks around them mm-hmm. um and now the uh under it's undeniable that this underbelly still exists though as did an obvious undercurrent of police corruption and racism in 1988 uh yeah, yeah. In New York, of all all places. Of all places. So the Spider-Man annual, within two pages, has slipped from dealing with well-dressed top-level drug capos and their young, tough drug runners to the Phantom of the Opera and Robbie Baldwin's mom taking him to a play to show him some culture in a story called Drug War Rages. Oh, no. Is she wearing pearls? Is that where this is going? No, no. He doesn't go with his parents. They don't go down Crime Alley. No. Although... (laughs) It's funny that you mentioned this. So she, uh, her name is Madeline Naylor, Maddie Naylor. Uh, she keeps her her professional name. Uh, and she takes her son, Robbie, to have, uh, and they have both, quote, journeyed to Manhattan. And it's because they live in Springdale, Connecticut. Um, a man bumps him and Robbie is really freaked out because he already knows about his power here, but he clearly, his mom doesn't. So you've got another Aunt May doesn't know kind of trope. Mm-hmm. So you go back to Spider-Man. He gets accused of murdering these criminals uh, because somebody goes in and murders them afterward. Daredevil goes to help him because at this point, Daredevil knows, okay, every time Spidey gets uh, accused of something, I've been wrong. So let's Mm -hmm. start in good faith for once, uh, Mm -hmm. which for Daredevil is a a big, important moment. Uh, (laughs) and, And Robbie wanders the streets instead of going to a cast party afterwards with his mom and her hot actor friends. And here again, we see into the character that is New York, uh, New York City. Danger is merely a block away from the glitz and glamour of Broadway because Robbie Baldwin is wandering with his hands in his pocket, his head down. And of course, five thugs run up on him whose sense of fashion is clearly inspired by the dreadnoughts who worked for Zartan and G.I. Joe. So now that might be a dated (laughs) reference for you. No, no. Okay. Knowledge is power. I understand. His chin hits the pavement and that activates his power and he is speedball and his thought balloons will tell the tale. And by the way, this happens in an alley. So we do have all the tropey stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, Quote, I don't know how to control the speedball effect. I keep bouncing at random until I can anchor myself. Got to try to angle my body, keep ricocheting and just home. uh, I eventually hit the right targets. Mm hmm or just hope I eventually hit the right targets. So he's bouncing around in an alleyway 
And the more he bounces, the more speed he picks up. And the more speed he picks up, the more these colorful balls appear of kinetic potential energy. And I never took physics, so I don't know if I blended terms. I was going to say, because yeah. kinetic energy and potential energy are two different things, but I follow where you're going. Yeah. So uh, the plot thickened. And and he keeps knocking the wind out of these, these thugs until he gets to a rooftop. And the plot thickens when a host of the warriors... Uh, the th- the the things that uh, Kingpin was complaining about earlier uh, show up to murder the thugs in order to purify them. Now, the warriors are this silver armor clad anti-drug group. They're like if the guardian angels mm-hmm. were better funded and more fashy. Uh, oh, okay. yeah. They think they're doing good work because they're uh-huh. stopping drugs. So, which, okay. Yeah. I'm- I'm getting silver shirt vibes. Yeah, a bit. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's, okay. Except all armored, you know, oh, like <laughs> even better. Yeah. Silver That's shirts the- if Silver Sable had funded them, you know, that yeah. kind of and dressed them. <laughs> Who doesn't love a good, well armored and fashionable Christo fascist? Exactly. Uh, yeah. <laughs> right. It's yeah. Uh, Speedball then has this crisis of conscience, but he decides because he witnesses this murder. Mm-hmm. Um, of the guys that he just knocked out, whom he'd uh, been attacked by. Uh, but he decides he needs to follow these guys to get proof so that he can stop them from killing more. So with great power. Sure. To me, this is part of a larger attempt by Marvel to recreate Spider-Man every 10 years or so, although it starts to accelerate after this. Um, and they did it in the 1970s with Nova, right? Uh, mm-hmm. And that's its own episode that I'll do later. Uh, and now they're doing it with Speedball. And and frankly, they're going to do it again in a few years with New Warriors, uh, where each one represents a reaction that Parker could have had in getting his powers. Uh, so here's his moment of seeing Uncle Ben dead. Mm-hmm. Now, it turns out behind these these paladins of fascism um, are uh, called the Warriors is the high evolutionary. Sorry, that sounds like a D&D build, like a homebrew. <laughs> Paladins both of fascism. Both of fascism palettes. <laughs> well, you 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 don't want to call it fascism because then it it's, doesn't play. So it's, it's the oath of law and order. Palette. Yeah. <laughs> the oath of the secret majority. Yeah. Um, or <laughs> I was thinking. Smite. The, yeah, it's it's it's, it's um, smite those people. It's right. what it is. Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, yes, a specific uh, racial specific smiting. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> it's <laughs> you would call it something like the oath of the pure. You would. You would. You yeah. would. Or like the oath of the family values. Yeah. Like that. <laughs> I like it. I'm yeah. uncomfortable, but I like yeah. it. I, they should not be a player character. They should definitely be the BBEGs. It's 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 like the oath breaker. You're not meant to actually play the character. This is right. just for narrative purposes. <laughs> exactly. And don't enjoy it. If you enjoy it, seek professional help. Yeah, we got a whole nother problem. Yeah. So so uh it turns out the high evolutionary is in charge, and he's behind it with something called mission or operation big sleep. Um, which is a reference to the Howard Hawks film of the same name with uh Humphrey Bogart and Lauren Bacall. Uh, Philip Marlowe is uh, is a private investigator uh, who gets hired by a wealthy general to find out and stop his daughter, Carmen, from being blackmailed over gambling debts. 
And Marlowe finds himself deep within a web of love triangles, blackmail, murder, gambling, and organized crime. And with the help of Vivian, another of the general's daughters, Marlowe hatches a plot to free the family from this web and traps the real culprit. That's taken directly. I just copied, pasted from, you know, the back of the box, as it were. Um, what is the high evolutionary doing getting involved in like this level of crime? Because he's I know. like a galactic level kind of. Well, okay. you remember Mephisto used to show up in Central Park. That makes sense. I, and, I'm convinced yeah. that other world entities make deals in Central Park. That scans. Uh, <laughs> Thor stopped a, a bunch of mobsters from, from running jackets at one point, like fur coats. Okay. And at one point, Asgard was relocated to Oklahoma. So I guess stranger things have happened. So you see, right. I, and I'm okay with the, the Oklahoma uh, relaunch, as it were, of Asgard. <laughs> like you're going to go somewhere where like people just continually get pushed around so -hmm. that white people can have the land you go to oklahoma sure so so. yeah again scans yeah but yeah it was weird to me that high evolutionary was here but you know that's what they would do in the the uh peter parker uh what do you call it um the 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 annuals would be very often they would bring in uh versions of uh villains that you wouldn't normally see with him it's you know, like, like if Dormammu were trying to, ru- uh, you know, rob a Publix or something. Yes. Yeah. You know? <laughs> it very much has that vibe <laughs> of. <laughs> um, so, yeah, uh, fully agree on that one. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but here's the high evolutionary. And and maybe because drugs are screwing with our evolution and he's curious about that. I never quite understood his involvement mm-hmm. uh, in these things. Um, but uh, Kingpin hates it. Um, because, uh, you know, drugs are, are good money. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, it's unfortunately how it goes. Um, Spider-Man needs to stop it along with Daredevil trying to clear his own, uh, uh, along with Daredevil as they try to clear, uh, Spidey's name. Um, and, uh, Speedball, uh, has it in, in, in his head majorly. Um, you know, so you've got all these things kind of just combining so that you're going to have the big fight surrounding you know all all these threads are connecting in the annual um while speedball is spying on them it's revealed that his powers are like a barbarian's rage it only works as long as he keeps getting hit uh so while uh he's spying on them he turns back into robbie baldwin he looks around and notices uh he's no longer robbie baldwin and he calls the police to report a, mor- a murder, and uh, that's going to happen. Uh, and of course, he gets hung up on by an incredulous nine one one dispatcher. Uh, Spider Man and Daredevil go in breaking things. Speedball is still trying to figure out his powers. This leads to the thought bubble saying, "Quote: Almost made it, just missed a little that time. Maybe if I twist around, hit lower on my back to change my bounce angle, there's got to be an easier way. I did it." So. It's that episode of Donald Duck playing uh, billiards, uh, mixing with Spider-Man. <laughs> so it's it's I, I I have so much fun with the fact. I, and there's something to me about bouncing that is just kind of jovial and fun and not threatening. Right. And yeah. and he doesn't know how to do it. Mm-hmm. And there's just so much exuberance that that I see with it that I think that's what charmed me. Um, yeah, yeah, you know, and, and, and ultimately, I mean, doesn't this kind of harken back to the old Spider-Man exuberance of, of 
you know, swinging through the city. Yeah. I mean, you know, a, a, a 15, 16 year old with, you know, the ability to do that kind of thing. I mean, it's, it's, it's giddy for lack of a better term. You know? Yeah. And I think that there was, there was a lot of giddiness missing in the anti-hero age. That's so entirely because this is also the era that saw like the rise of characters like the Punisher and mm-hmm. Deadpool and Deathstroke and Lobo you know, and Lo- Ho, the main <laughs> man himself. Yeah. One of, my, one of the first comics I ever read was uh, at like, I was like 10 or 11 years old. It was Lobo coming to earth just to fight superman for like an afternoon because he was bored <laughs> and like they fight to a standstill and then he's like all right wasn't bad i'll come back later and then you know uh flies away on his space motorcycle and wow that, that has just that left a imprint on my soul um wow what a what a what a bottle episode <laughs> like yeah, yeah that's it oh wow and and as ed is uh fond of pointing out like a lot of lobo was just satire that no one seemed mm-hmm. to get yeah 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 um, so. a, a, a space uh a, a space biker who destroyed his own planet as part of like a grade school science experiment who also has like a, a an unabiding and a love for uh galactic dolphins yeah and no one got the joke <laughs> wow we oh lordy well here you've got um speedball a mm-hmm. teenager at a time where Spider-Man is now married and an adult and mm-hmm. Daredevil is now Catholic. And so he also isn't any fun. It's true. Uh, and like both He's of them, sad, sad boy. he is. And both of them just no longer possess that exuberance. Also, mm-hmm. Speedy is terrible at his powers, whereas these two have absolutely come into their own. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so I to me, I think maybe that was the draw that I always had to Speedball was because I also hit it when I was 13. I, I also got into speedball mm-hmm. when I was 13. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, was this a drug reference? Is that no. what his name was? <laughs> Sorry. So it's all right. Of all the people to, to be thought of as having done drugs at all. It's funniest that I am <laughs> like, I'm famously sober, <laughs> like irritatingly. So to people. <laughs> um. <laughs> So uh, the other thing that comes to mind is like, this isn't just any Daredevil at, at this point. It's like Frank Miller's Daredevil, at least not far removed from him. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. He's been so through some shit. Not just Daredevil, but like. Having ugh. seen Electra die Daredevil. <laughs> yeah. 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 Like it, it, it's, this is only about five years removed from him beating Kingpin nearly to death and then saying, I forgive mm. you. Yeah. This is, this is trauma is one of his superpowers. Yeah. Daredevil. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Of all the things he couldn't sense. Uh-huh. Um, so the problem is that after Speedball succeeds at breaking the thing that he's trying to break, there's this like mm-hmm. outside like s- antenna satellite dish that he's trying to break. And that'll stop somehow thwart the high evolutionary's plans to do things. Um, he's overshot his landing. So he succeeded bouncing into it and smashing it. But now he's falling from the Empire State Building, which to me, I was like, oh, no problem. He's going to bounce. But what's funny here is that he doesn't think that he can survive the fall. So he hasn't tested the limits of his power yet. Despite the fact that terminal velocity is a constant, you can't accelerate past terminal velocity. So if you're falling from the Empire State Building, the top of that, or if you're falling from like the the 20th floor from it, it's the same disc, you know, it's the same... Mm -hmm you know, yeah. impact, but then he's rescued by a familiar thwip. Um, and he meets Spider-Man and Daredevil and he, the, 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 the editor's note is ambiguous explanations follow. So, <laughs> um, 
Now, later in the same issue, you know, he meets back up with his mom. Uh, They go to the Daily Bugle because she has a friend in the drama review section of the Bugle. And he almost collides with a very familiar brown eyed, brown haired reporter slash photographer um, who notes that, quote, nervous kid acts just like bumping into something could send him bouncing off the walls. So da 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 da. That's so that's the end of the first uh, story of him in the annual. Now the annuals were were all kinds of fun. They always cost a little bit more, yeah. but they absolutely were were a blast. Yeah. Um, because then you get another story and another story, and one of them is usually like a countdown list for Spider Man. Mm-hmm. Um, and like you know the top ten women that I've had trouble with, and it's always told from his experience, or sure. the top ten villains that I'm embarrassed I got beat by, or it's the beginning of listicles. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So um, the next segment is, is another speedball story. So they're mm-hmm. spending a lot of ink on speedball. And this time it's an actor. And I never found his name. Um, and he's in a very green and sickly mask. So kind of has some uh, Green Goblin vibes to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and he wants revenge on speedball's mom for beating him out for a part in a play. This mom has lived a life. She has. Which... I find fascinating to be honest. Like yeah. a working mom. Yeah. You know, not and, a majorly aunt and a dead mom. And right, she's alive. She's yeah. presumably not geriatric. Right. Uh, she appears to live a robust life. Mm-hmm. And People react to her beauty. Yeah. And so. well connected, it seems. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I it it seems like she's gonna be a villain if I were a betting man. <laughs> like, <laughs> where's the heel turn coming? You know. Right. Uh, well, uh, this guy uh, kidnaps Robbie because he knows that Robbie Baldwin is Madeline Naylor's son and suspends him in a sack above the stage. Uh, and eventually uh, Speedball's powers activates because he bumps into something and he escapes. Uh, and I still don't know the actor's name. Uh, and what I love is that there's a bunch of back and forth to this guy's lair and he's super horny for all things theater. Um, at this point, Robbie's mom doesn't know that he's Speedball still. And he even has a moment where he needs to answer her. But because when you're speedball, your voice changes because he has a different coloration of his Uh, talk balloons. Right. uh, He realizes that he can't talk to her in his alter ego and his thought balloons read eep. Now what? My voice goes all weird when I'm like this. How can I answer her? I'll bet Spider-Man never has problems like this. Which, again, just like mm -hmm. really push that puberty button hard, you Mm -hmm. know, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm mm-hmm. So, but it's got depth to it to me too. It's not just like, hey, puberty over here, puberty, puberty. He can't control his balls, puberty. You know, it's <laughs> yeah. He I is yeah. Can't re- can't relate. I was born looking like a forty-two-year-old man. That's uh, just out the gate. Okay. So, yeah. I, but I understand from what I hear, that's a very common experience. Yeah. That's... Yeah. Uh, I I remember yelling somebody's name once in PE to get his attention, and my voice cracked. And everybody get, shot me that look. And I'm like, we're all the same age. What are you doing? Admittedly, though, you are you are head and shoulders above everybody else. <laughs> this they probably is true. assumed you were done. You were done already. Yeah, it's that. also true. Yeah. yeah. I, I shot up to six feet at 13. And then yeah. I've just been filling outward since then. <laughs> so. Oh, Lordy. Uh, well, so. <laughs> uh, he is the new generation Spider-Man, I think. Uh, he's mm-hmm. got a secret identity check he's a young teenager who's okay at school so okay spidey was exemplary at school but that was the 60s yeah this is the 80s 
He's got cool powers that let comic book artists draw cool positions for him. Mm-hmm. He's bouncing all over the place. Uh, he's also stopping really weird villains right from the get-go. Mm. Um, he's also distinctively, uh, uh, and and he's distinctive, and he's a new imagining of him. You know, Peter Parker got bit. He was largely sexless. Puberty didn't really seem to affect him, despite his newfound ability to throw ropes of sticky white stuff, um, suddenly to have a need to hide his face. <laughs> I'm remembering what was that that MTV like bit from years ago? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it was like Jack Black was as though he had Spider Man powers or something. Do you, does oh, this bring any kind of no? Bell? No, uh, it, it was a thing on MTV where I think they were like making parodies of the pop culture of the year, and so like there was one with uh, Jack Black, I think, having spider powers. Oh and, Lord! And so of course, of course, yeah, there's yeah, yeah, yeah. Whip. Whip. <laughs> Uh, you know, Spidey has to cover his face, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and and he's physically gifted in athletic pursuits. I mean, puberty, 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 right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Speedball's puberty is a change of voice. His balls are out of control. Uh, he has a lot of self-isolation. And sparkling. Yeah. <laughs> and fabulous hair because it's yeah. the 80s. Yeah. Um, it's also in the context of comparing and contrasting to Spider-Man. Like, literally, I bet Spider-Man doesn't have this problem, who at this point is a married adult. Um, Speedball also has a a supportive and actively involved mother who's constantly valuing his happiness and trying to expose him to new situations beyond dating. Whereas Parker has an out-of-touch elderly aunt whom he has to protect, who thought that he was even more frail than she was and kept trying to set him up with that uh, really annoying woman, Mrs. Watson's niece. Um. Don't really yes. know what happened with her, but I'm sure it didn't go well. One of the great mysteries of the comic book publishing world. Yeah. <laughs> I really wish they would have paid that off, you know? Yeah. So, at least have her be a villain, like or, the, the, the tiger catcher or something, you know? So Something like that. I was just talking to someone actually uh, on, on my podcast about who we... Um, who was like the... Who made an impression on us uh, as young men. In oh, the episode of- with Nerd D. Yeah, yeah, with Nerdy. Yeah. And so, like, and he was talking about, like, because he wrote the song Gwen Stacy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, he was talking about, you know, um, uh, MJ being like the one. And I was like, nah, man, like Felicia Hardy, that's where it's at. <laughs> you like a bad girl. I like, I don't, I, something exciting about not knowing if I'm going to wake up in the morning. It's... <laughs> right. There was a wonderful uh, bit that Ali Wong did, um, mm-hmm. uh, comedian, uh, mm-hmm. in her first special, I want to say. Um, and she says, like, I don't want to die. But I don't want to know that I'm gonna live. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's like, wow, that's that's way more leaning in than I'm willing to do. Like, I I want to know I'm gonna live. Like, yeah. but yeah, I absolutely agree. Like, y- yeah. like the age that you're at when you find Spider-Man, it's mm-hmm. you know, like, who is he going with at the time? Yeah. So yeah, it leaves an image. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, so we learn, um, oh, it's funny. You mentioned the, the Gwen Stacy thing. Uh, have you played the Lego Marvel? Mm-mm. Oh God. So much fun. Especially when your kids get older. Uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's probably going to be very inexpensive to play by then. Um, like I, I bought it for like 19 bucks kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a part it's, it's an open sandbox kind of world with, you know, limits that are pretty far out there. So the first one is you're in New York. You know, it's 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 definitely MCU inspired, but you can get up on the Brooklyn Bridge. So my son and I were playing and he was Spider-Man and I was, you know, we were chasing each other around. And so I landed next to him and I immediately changed my character to Gwen Stacy and dove off. So 
<laughs> oh no. <laughs> oh yes. I do remember that game now. Now I think about it. Yeah. My siblings had it when it first came out. Yeah. yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. So, well, so we learn more about Robbie Baldwin in his own limited series of 10 issues, like I said, that came out in September of 88. We get his origin story, which tells us the background of his family as well. His dad, Justin, is the assistant DA of Springdale, Connecticut, who absolutely loves his family and wants them to be safe and happy. It's obvious. It's coded that way. It's written that way. It's a very standard dad trope, really. Man, just screw this kid. Like... Yeah. Having parents like this. <laughs> right. Um, well, and he's in Connecticut. Like, this is yeah. like, what if Spider-Man had the economic advantages of being white mm -hmm. um, yeah, yeah. and an intact family? Yeah. Um, that's that's why I say, like, each expression of the New Warriors is a version of Spidey, like, before the multiverse was a thing. Mm -hmm. um, so his, uh, his mom, Maddie Naylor, is a very successful stage actress, but she quit to go into, quote, academics, uh, which meant that like we see her speaking to an auditorium full of people at a school but you can't tell if she's a teacher or not or just an activist um i think it meant teacher but she's basically coded as this huge defender of the arts and she hates the idea of censorship which cool okay uh they obviously have cracks in their marriage they show within the first two pages uh but um and it's really kind of coded to the fault of neither one really uh they both love each other fiercely but they express it differently um robbie largely keeps to himself because by the time the story starts he's already been altered by the lab experiment gone wrong and yes it's a lab experiment gone wrong um and mm -hmm. we're just gonna hit that peter parker button all day yeah. um and we're hitting that button in multiple ways too because he's walking by uh, a bunch of gals who are talking to each other about him as he walks by and they're talking about how cute he is. Uh, and there's guys who are teasing him for not being athletic. I mean, mm -hmm. we saw this for issue after issue after issue until Peter graduated mm -hmm. um, with Flash and uh, a bunch of the gals at school. Mm -hmm. um, notably not Betty Bryant because she dropped out of school to start working, which I thought was an interesting wrinkle in the Spider-Man uh in the, in the very beginning of Spider-Man, uh, he meets Betty Bryant. She's already an employee of uh, the Daily Bugle, mm, and she never mm -hmm. finished high school. She's Peter's age. Oh. Huh. Yeah. I and yeah. I found pictures of Peter's graduation, and there were several black people in cap and gown and in the audience, and it was an integrated audience uh, in, okay. in, cap, yeah, in his graduation, yeah. which I was like, that's pretty cool for 1964. Yeah, that's that's pretty aware of the environment. Um yeah, now I'm thinking about now. I think Betty Bryant in the MCU is like a mm -hmm. valedictorian or something like that, isn't she? Like, yeah, and blonde uh, little white girl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Ned's girlfriend. Yeah, yep. and in uh, Far From Home. Yeah, yeah. yeah. In yeah. in the Spider-Man comic, uh, Betty is a brunette, mm -hmm. and uh, Ned Leeds is a reporter who is crushing on her at the same time that she's crushing on Peter. Mm -hmm. And back then, the idea of going steady was a big deal in the mm -hmm. culture. And so it was expected to date around unless you're doing going steady. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I hear uh, that mid that mid 20th century dating ritual was uh, really, really particular. Yeah, it really. Well, you got to You got to control the kids even when they're out of your control. Like now that they have cars, what can you do culturally to to keep them fastened to your part? Slash the tires. Exactly. That's that's. Right. My, I'm a new parent, so I'm still figuring it out. But I yeah, think that's yeah, I supposed to do. Yeah, I like our kids will be able to afford vehicles. <laughs> 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 Jokes on them. We figured uh, out other ways to control them. Poverty. So. <laughs> yeah. 
So Robbie's keeping to himself uh, and the the guys are teasing him and he talks about the power churning in him trying to get out, you know, as he's talking mm-hmm. to himself. And again, the, pu- the pu- puberty parallels to Peter Parker are properly say. paradigmatic, if not a pittance pathetic per perceived pursuer and purchaser persuasions pertaining to public presentation of preceding pre-adolescent prattlings about perturbance in prankster papers. That was well done. I, Thank you. I, I... I got to get an alliteration in every couple episodes. Otherwise I lose my contract. So uh, he ends that page with quote, gotta be cool. I can keep the power under control if I stay calm and don't think about right. How do I stop thinking about it? Sounds like a dick joke. It really is a seventh grade. It, It absolutely took me back to seventh grade when my very hot English teacher leaned over to help me. And then I had to go up to the board. Like, (laughs) it's like i get it i hella get this i feel this way more turgidly than i want to and in academic sense this is what we call narrative fidelity wherein the story arc resonates with the life experiences of the audience i like that i've never heard of such a thing and that absolutely i like that there's a word for it now, in 1988, the comic book code probably wasn't too charitable to the idea of a character figuring out how to specifically hide a hard on so this is how we do it. Robbie walks off, presumably, to his after-school internship with Doc Benson, and he gets mugged again, this time by old drunks, and then he bounces all over the place in a tunnel uncontrollably, so you get a bit of a repeat of what we saw in the annual. Meanwhile, his parents are arguing about the only two possibilities that they see for art for Robbie, arts or the law, which the argument goes as, because dad is a lawyer, mom is a dramatist. And then that gets interrupted by criminals who take the two of them to the same park that Robbie is depowering himself in. Because he's a he's the assistant DA and he's prosecuting somebody, he gets kidnapped along with his wife to make sure that things go, you know, because we only have 24 pages for this comic to establish all the things. And we've got to get mm-hmm. Robbie rescuing his parents. Um, now, luckily, as Robbie is depowering, refractory period for uh, uh, is relatively short for a 15 year old. Um, <clears throat> and he and his balls spring into action to save Justin and Maddie. And what I love is that Robbie spends the whole time bouncing around and missing over and over and over again, like he never hits his mark. And this, of course, extends the fight and draws a crowd. Uh, and you know, some, you know, Damien, some have theorized that the mark doesn't exist, that it's a lie. It's a myth. If you will. <laughs> well, either way, he's he ain't hitting it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the crowd kind of uh, increases in the park and Speedball gets away just in time to come out of the crowd and have his parents be none the wiser. So he's able to power back down because, you know, he he. He doesn't get hit for six seconds. So (laughs) barbarian rage goes away. And I really would love to create like I like the idea of creating a monk that's all strength based. Yeah. yeah. You know, like the guy who fought Van Damme at the end of, uh, you know, uh, Bloodsport. And then also uh, have a a barbarian that is constitution and dexterity based, Mm -hmm. like a bouncy barb, you know? Yeah. (laughs) 
reminds me of some friends who had a tactic of uh, they had a berserker barbarian in the group. And so uh, every now and again, and they had, couldn't do it all the time because then the player would get wise to it, but they would sure. shove him into a room of enemies and someone would shoot him in the foot with an arrow and they'd lock the door. Uh, and that was, that was combat and it didn't last very long. Uh, but <laughs> It's great cinematically for like the first two rooms though. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so, of course, the media has him frustrated now um, because it's that much closer to his being known as Speedball because they're reporting on Speedball, right? And the epilogue shows us how he got his powers. And it's basically him and this cat, Niels, Niles, N-I-E-L-S, uh, named for Niles Bohr, mm-hmm. uh, B-O-H-R, uh, physics guy. Uh, they both get zapped by an extra dimensional entry energy source filled with bubbles. So it's the Flash, too. We've just gotten the Flash. Yeah, as well. pretty right. much. So he runs to the bathroom. He notices a change in his hair, his face, and his voice immediately. Uh, The rest of it is him bouncing around and beating up mass criminals without knowing how he's doing it. And then, of course, going home afterwards and giving a report to the police who have drawn their guns on Robbie. Um, Not Speedball, but Robbie. Mm -hmm. Uh, He then goes home and tries to activate his power by pounding away until his balls return to shoot all over the room almost uncontrollably again. Skeet. <laughs> I just, if we're going to put a finer point on it, I'm. <laughs> so those are his origins. And the next eight issues are him fighting off some of the most forgettable villains as he continues to barely be able to control his balls. Uh, his power is actually pretty fun uh, as it's kinetic. De- I, I call it kinetic deflection because mm-hmm. um, he's still not manipulating it. And it mm-hmm. means basically he can't get hurt, hurt physically. And I, there's something deeply attractive to that for me. Um, it doesn't mean he can't get suffocated. He can't get mm-hmm. gassed. It doesn't mean he can't like, and Spider-Man is good at dodging. Um, and so is uh, Daredevil. They're both good at dodging, but but like kinetic bounciness, you yeah. can't get physically hurt, which means bullets, punches, yeah. blades. None of them can do it. He just redirects the energy. It's, yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah. Which yeah. itself is its own menace. Like mm-hmm. what if I bounce a bullet into somebody who can't absorb such things? Sure. That's yeah. awful. Mm-hmm. Um, but you yourself can't get hurt physically, um, which, and, and you're totally untrained. I mean, there's just something really, I don't know. There's something that resonates with me, uh, mm-hmm. with teenage me, certainly. And, and adult me, there's something that I'm still like wistfully romanticized, uh, no, about it, that. It reminds me of how, uh, as is almost always the case, um, you know, young men are, are blissfully unaware of their own mortality, Right. And the, yeah. and the and the things that we do, like during that, you know, like 15 to, I don't know, 24, 25 yeah. age, yeah. Uh, before it really, really sets in an imminent way. Like I have friends who uh, I was not participant to or party to, but I have observed um, just really stupid, reckless things yeah. that someone should have gotten hurt or even worse. And it right. just didn't happen. Right. And it's, you have all that energy and it, like, none of us were wisdom builds. None of us were right. intelligence builds. Right. Right. <laughs> right. So, yeah. Yeah. I used to, now that I think about it, I used to jump off of roofs. Yeah. Like, Ooh, what? that's stupid. That's yeah. really dumb. Uh-huh. But I would jump off of like one and two story roofs all the time just for funsies yeah no, and it's uh, not so, like i was landing on something soft it was gravel <laughs> yeah you know were you trying to get shorter hoping no. kneecaps would like <laughs> no i was pretty good at absorbing it and just kind of rolled with it but like 
that was the thing. Like, let's climb up there and I'm going to jump off it now. And it wasn't even, hey, guys, watch this. It was just mm -hmm. like, I like doing this. So some buddies, my, some buddies of mine back in the day, I remember they were racing down a uh, dirt road that one of my friends lived on that was only a lane and a half wide. And the the goal was to get to uh, to turn left onto a bridge that was a one way each way. Uh, so it was a two lane bridge with a double Jeez. yellow to get to the highway. And it was a blue Toyota pickup truck and a uh, Toyota Corolla that were mm -hmm. uh, drive, that were speeding down this uh, dirt road and the pickup truck uh, hit the gas. Uh, and mind you, this is a neighborhood. So there are people who live on this road. There could have been someone coming down, right? Yeah. It, he hits the gas, makes the left turn and just clips the, uh, the driver's side um, headlight. Mm -hmm. There's a brief exchange of paint and the headlights busted out. And then, you know, he, he told his parents that he hit a deer, my friend who drove the Corolla. And they were like, really, was it a blue deer? Cause, <laughs> cause there's some other stuff to account for that. Oh, um, wow. And you know, Oh God. And parents kind of just accept that, it as yeah. a reality of having teenage boys too. Yeah. Like yeah. you just, you just shake your head and you're like, well, I'm glad you dodged it. Yeah. I'm, glad i have daughters um yeah. just just <laughs> the, the the collective dumb of just a bunch of yeah teenage boys yeah it's it's a powerful thing it the really army is. knows it right yeah uh, <laughs> that's that's where the, yeah that's yeah that's why they show them like world war ii video games instead of world war one video games where you just spend the whole day dying in different ways or or vietnam video games where yeah. you don't know who you're shooting right yeah. and it doesn't matter yeah <laughs> Actually, it was, I think it was like 2008, 2007, Black Ops 2 came out or Black mm -hmm. Ops 1, Call of Duty Black Ops. But at the same time, um, it was uh, the the Force Unleashed uh, mm -hmm. 2 came out. Mm -hmm. And I noticed at that point, I'm like, wow, a lot of our heroes are having dissociative disorders. Mm. Like that's the main driving force of both. Mm. That's, mm -hmm. that's a bit odd. So he's also able to direct his kinetic spheres out at his enemies and knock them the fuck out. Like mm -hmm. he does this with Terax in the first new warriors issue. And Terax is a former Herald of Galactus mm -hmm. like this, like he's able. So it's like this huge amount of power. It's just so thoroughly undirected. So like mm -hmm. you said, teenage yeah. boys. So this series lasts until June of 89 when in 10 issues, he fights giant animals, uh, which was a scientific attempt to end world hunger gone wrong. Um, he also fights, I mean, just the most forgettable. I didn't even bother writing down their names. Um, villains um, in the speed reading section of issue 10, which I think is the first, first section that had letters in Joshua, Joshua Daigle of uh, Labetaville, Louisiana. Labetaville. So, could be it's i don't probably it's probably french yes so i'm already <laughs> yeah. so Lebetaville anyway. sounds like some sort of like alpha male foolishness but yeah okay that's <laughs> Lebetaville. yeah you're right yeah. labadeville maybe uh louisiana oh, no. um he wrote into the comic so shout out to josh if you're a listener quote i really enjoy the new speedball comic it was nice to see ditko drawing after some time i thought the art was fantastic speedball reminded me a lot of spider-man Still a young teenager, still in high school, not sure of what his powers are. Still a little different, since Spidey was excited about his powers instead of being somewhat afraid. And with Steve to draw it, it kind of brought it all back. Um, now, 
I don't know how realistic the letters were. I do know that there has been some hay made recently over, I want to say there was a, a, a director who wrote into Spider-Man when he was a child. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't bother to chase that down because it wasn't quite relevant. But so I don't know how reliable a narrative these letters are. You know, okay. this yeah. easily could have been a plant, you know. Sure, sure. But I but do like way. that. Yeah, they're publishing that, yeah. you know. But either way, even if it wasn't a plant, they have to they can only publish so many like letters per issue. Right. Right. And so they're edit, they're making the editorial decision of which ones do we print. And one that references Spider-Man is yep. obviously, you know, yeah. Front of the line. Yeah. yeah. So this character gets shelved until July of 1990 with the New Warriors. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was an accidental New Warrior, I like to put it, which okay. totally fits his character. Because uh, Night Thrasher originally had planned. Night Thrasher, for, for those of us that don't know, is Dwayne Taylor. Uh, originally, it was Dwayne Taylor. Uh, think a young, angry, black Tony Stark. Um, and you basically have white guys writing a black teenager with wealth. Uh, again, the eighties. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not surprised. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so Night Thrasher, very rich, wants to make everyone pay. Wants to make the criminals pay for killing his parents, uh-huh. because why not push the Batman button as well? Um, and so he wants to come up with a super group of four people. That's what he had in mind. But uh, Namorita and Speedball join them in their first fight just by happenstance. Um, and Night Thrasher goes with it. Uh, there's mm-hmm. even a thought balloon of like, I'd originally planned four, but six will have to do. Doesn't, he, doesn't Night Thrasher use, uh, I forget the name, but they're, they're sticks. They're yeah, batons, battle staves. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I feel My like favorite weapon. I feel like Tony Stark, a, a parallel could have come up with better weapons. True. You know? But, okay. Well, he also has a uh, skateboard. Okay. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's a teenager, you see. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I love the battle staves, actually. Uh, him and Mockingbird. Like, I never really mm-hmm. thought Mockingbird's costume was all that cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, I certainly don't like the giant winged eyes kind of thing and the big flowy and all that. And yeah. then you don't cover your legs at all. It's yeah. not that I'm a prude. It's just that I'm looking at the practicality Armor. of it. Yeah. Armor. Yeah. So, but having said that, I loved the fact that she had battle staves. Like mm-hmm. there's something, and I never actually took Eskrima. Mm-hmm. Like I never, never thought to take a martial art where you're using two sticks, but I love mm-hmm. the idea of dual wielding and they're both blunt. Mm-hmm. Um, because ultimately as, as has been proven on our podcast, uh, I love quarter staffs. And so battle staves are just like eighth staffs. Um, so Ed, Ed and I will argue regularly about because he loves swords. He's a sword guy. He has a sword yeah. rack. Uh-huh. Um, I love a quarterstaff because I'm like, it's the most democratized weapon there is. I'm I'm partial to the mall because that's a working man's <clears throat> weapon. Uh, oh, nice. Nice. Yeah, <laughs> it, it is absolutely about ideology for me, too. Quarterstaff yeah. is is a learned yeah. man's weapon, you know, and it's yeah. a shepherd's weapon. So, yeah, it's a leave me alone. <laughs> yeah. Poke, poke, you know. Yeah. So, but yeah, so uh, the group was really cool. I, like I said, it's six different reactions to Spider-Man getting bit by a radioactive spider. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's a reboot for two specific Spider-Man recasts, Nova and Speedball. And growing up, this was absolutely my favorite comic. And Speedball was a huge reason for it. He was the Joker of the group. There's so much zaniness. And he's often bouncing into and out of the frame while being zany. Mm-hmm. And as far as powers go, it was one of the most novel powers at the time. Mm. Other people had super armor. Other people had flight. Other people had energy projection, fire, telekinesis, bounciness. 
as a superpower was, I think it was unique to just him at that time mm-hmm. and his cat. Well, I'm, I'm not terribly familiar with other characters who have the same power set necessarily. I mean, yeah. Gold balls comes to mind, but they then sort of retconned his abilities that, so, I mean, cause he could create gold balls out of thin air and then like throw them at people, but that's about, so the, the naming uh, motif being similar is about it. About it. Yeah. And then those balls turned out to be eggs. And that was weird. Yeah. Anyway, uh... <laughs> you know, when they stopped paying attention to the CCA, they all the weird came out first. Yeah. Oh, you know? yeah. 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 So which I get. I get, you know, you got to, you know, when I'm writing jokes, the, the bad ones get written first, you know, mm-hmm. so they're still stage worthy. But, <laughs> but <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, you don't you also don't find that many characters who have cryokinesis. Right. There's Iceman. Mm-hmm. And that list dwindles pretty quickly. Like in DC, you have Mr. Yeah, Freeze. Mr. Freeze. Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, there's and Killer Frost. Mm-hmm. Um, but there. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a good point. I'm not aware of anyone else who has that particular power. Yeah. Set, but yeah. yeah like, yeah. I mean, you do have people who have elemental control. They will somehow sure. control the water and, and they can freeze it sometimes. I think Crystal was able to do that of mm-hmm. the Inhumans. But by and large, having that be their thing, like it's it's remarkably unique, um, mm-hmm. surprisingly so too. Mm-hmm. So, uh, also, I guess which is surprisingly unique is that Nightcrawler or Night Thrasher has absolutely zero powers tied to electricity, despite the fact that he's a black man. Uh, That's which, true. <laughs> it's weirdest. it's it's one of those things. Where it, it's not it's not that all black characters have electric powers, but a, an unusual number of them do. Yeah, a high um, proportion. <laughs> Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. It's yeah. So uh, he's he's telling Spidey like jokes the whole time Uh, in his first issue with the new warriors. He jokes with Marvel boy about how they both got rejected by the Avengers because they both tried out. Um, Cap said that basically he was too unpredictable, (laughs) you know, and he Cap told Marvel boy that like grow up some because he didn't actually realize that uh, Eldon Bishop Eldon Eldon Bishop. Is that his name? Rage. Um, I don't remember. I don't remember his last name. I might be, I might be mixing him up with a, uh, 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 a a jazz singer out here. But anyway, he's joking with, uh, you know, at that time, Rage was 14 years old, but the Avengers didn't know because I guess they don't card. Um, but uh, they did reject uh, Marvel Boy uh, and said, like, hey, you're too young. Come back when you got some seasoning. Uh, and so he says to uh, Marvel Boy, who later becomes Justice. Mm-hmm. Um, he says, hey, we can be like the Legion of Substitute Avengers. Uh, so, well, and, you know, uh, Peter Parker had applied to be an Avenger, but you needed a mm-hmm. guardian to sign. Um, Is that what stopped him? No, I'm making a joke oh, about his okay. dead parents. Uh, <laughs> I was like, man, that's dark if that's what stopped him. <laughs> <laughs> I would have liked it. Um, I know he applied to be part of the Fantastic Four to screw up their numbers. Um, but, uh, they, they basically were like, eh, you know, maybe. And he's like, never mind, I'm better on my own. Cause yeah. he and, and Johnny couldn't get along. Um, but, oh God, <laughs> I was, I was really hopeful for a second that they were that dark. <laughs> it's like when you have a, uh, your, your, your parents can help you kit and yeah. it's like a Batman kit. Your parents uh-huh. can help you put it together. It's like, no, they can't. <laughs> <laughs> 
So he he cracks another joke uh, about the Avengers coming in at the end to take all the credit after the New Warriors had just defeated Terax. Uh, he says, sure, no problem. You can take all the hard stuff. You know, the press, the adulation, the glory, the drooling female fans. So he's always cracking wise. Uh, mm-hmm. And I like that, you know, because they're phasing some really existential threats. Um, at some point, his mom does find out about his secret identity, but his dad still doesn't know. And they end up divorcing because it's the 1990s. So everybody's divorcing. And she ends up working on a soap opera co-starring with Mary Jane Watson. Uh, as things get more serious, he continues to be the nice boy, annoying, funny guy who's constantly taking the piss out of villains and teammates alike. He even throws in a Donald Trump joke when they get new headquarters. Oh, yeah. Like that was so they move into a warehouse, of course, after a mm-hmm. little while. Um, yeah. Like, I think it's right around like issue 18 or 19. Um, and he makes a Donald Trump development joke. So okay. and it's 1991, 1992, you know, yeah. uh, and he'll he scolds Night Thrasher, who wants so badly to be taken seriously. And he's just taking the piss out of him. He says, quote, yeah, Thrash Man, way I look at it. Lots of babes probably caught us in action on the tube. Should give us a cover in Tiger Beat for sure. Win a dream date with the masked Marvel. Details inside. Now quit your whining. Take the first H out of Thrash and let's start cleaning it up. Okay. Yeah. All right. <clears throat> word, and word, yeah, word based puns. All right. Yeah, I, I'm I'm a fan. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. and he's bouncing upside down while saying it uh, after a second bout with Terax. Uh, but this time, the Fantastic Four and the Silver Surfer come down to fight Terax as well. And the new warriors are the vanguard of that fight. Um, he now, joins a group called, oh, what were you saying? I was, was going to say, doesn't vanguard usually mean expendable? Yes. <laughs> so, but also the bravest, the first one in, you know, the first to fight, that kind of thing. Uh-huh. Uh, so <laughs> that's what they tell them anyway. The, the father. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so he, uh, he joins damage control in July of 1991 and he makes an erection joke about Vulcans in that, um, which is fun. Like, I, I like about Ponfar. Uh, yes, actually about how it doesn't take him seven years uh, to, to get ready for Ponfar. Um, so it's just, I, I under, they're, they're really leaning into like this kid has no hopes of yes. <laughs> he is driven by his grundle like that's that is it the more serious the uh the stories get the more he becomes the foil he is always the humor he's always the smart mouth that spidey Mm -hmm. is but he's on a team uh and when they attack gideon in his own home gideon whose power is pretty damn cool he has automatic he's a mutant who has automatic Mm -hmm. mastery over the powers of anyone near him Mm -hmm. so he Mm -hmm. not only copies their powers but he can use them better than they ever have Right. So uh, Speedball ends up cheering on Night Thrasher. He says, quote, pound it out of him like a civilized person would because they're asking Gideon. This is when uh, various heroes, corporations start having fights. So then they have to settle it fisticuff wise. Of course. So they they invade Gideon's home in Vail, Colorado, I want to say, by snowboarding in. It's it's the tactical thing to do. I yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. no one would expect the snowboard inquisition. You know? <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, so and and Robbie's the only one that has his own snowboard. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, there's and and they they go in and they fight Gideon, who is buck naked the whole time because he is in his hot tub. Um, and Gideon starts beating them all 
like really, really quickly. Um, and he even like uses Speedball's powers to cover his groin for the audience um, by making like a double helix mm-hmm. around himself with Speedball's bubbles. And Speedball says, you know, while he's got Speedball by the throat, Speedball is like, Mr. Gideon, sir, how do you make your bubbles do that? <laughs> so it's like forever comic relief. For a hot second, I was going to say, he's got him by the throat and Speedball says, harder. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Daddy? <laughs> <laughs> Why are your balls doing different things? So uh, he ends up being the mentor slash sidekick for rage for a while since they're the two that are closest in age right rage gets kicked out of the new warriors for lying to them and Mm -hmm. joins uh, or i'm sorry he gets kicked out of the avengers and joins Mm -hmm. the new warriors Mm -hmm. uh and he becomes like a kid brother to uh night thrasher but he becomes almost like a twin brother to speedball and rage's power is that he's hella strong and invulnerable skin kind of a luke cage but younger gotcha um, and again, uh, he's acting the foil and again, uncomfortably acting the white wisecracking foil to an angry, angry black male character whose superpower is being strong. Yeah. So, and it becomes even more uncomfortable when Nova has rage and night thrasher kicked off the team. And those are the two black male characters. And by this time, I think silhouette has left kicked off by the cop. Yeah. By space cop. Um, whose girlfriend is Namorita, who is the the niece of Submariner. Mm-hmm. But she's white presenting and very blonde. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, you know, you listen, progress mm-hmm. only goes so far. We're not about to... Uh, <laughs> this ain't the Guardians, all right? We're not about to incorporate yeah. uh, uh, sexualized, uh, you know, alien or, or non-human entities. Right? This is true. This is true. So uh, and then Robbie tells Rage because Rage is like, well, what would you have done? He says, I would have agreed with that call if I was there to make it. Mm -hmm. Which uh, you kind of see that in World War Hulk, by the way, where, Mm -hmm. you know, he he goes and questions Xavier. Mm -hmm. Um, So so then uh, after the New Warriors comic has its end and and it New Warriors was a hot comic for like 25, 26 issues. And then it finished its major arc and didn't know where to go. Mm hmm. It just kind of floundered around a bit. And then you you had some cool developments and stuff like that, like I just said. But by and large, if it had ended at 25, it would have been like if Supernatural had ended after season five. like So like the way it was intended. Yes. Then... Yeah. Logical end. But yeah. then people are like, no, let's let's actually we finally got the BMG license. Let's play real music now. So. <laughs> <laughs> God. Yeah. That show. I'm still I'm still finishing it too. I'm I'm oh, in yeah? season thirteen. Yeah, so, so. What was it fifteen years? Fifteen right? years. Fifteen yeah. years of my life. It's like a bad relationship. I just I had to see it through. That's you how know? I was with Lost. That oh yeah oh yeah, yeah. yeah. and Heroes. I'm the only person who really liked the Carnival season. Okay. Heroes. I I will <laughs> say this after the after the the Leviathan season, mm-hmm. like that one that one hurt. But after that, I feel like. It, it you know at least for my part i mm-hmm. enjoyed it more but, yeah you know. i well because they got more back to the biblical stuff probably for you well it it just it seemed like the monsters made i went back to making more sense the whole purgatory thing was yeah. neat in concept but weird in execution so yeah i agree yeah. i agree yeah. but i mean i've had that critique about purgatory since i read about it the first time so <laughs> <laughs> where's that <laughs> exactly <laughs> Uh, so, uh, the, 
Speedball disappears from comics for a while. He runs into Jessica Jones in 2003 in Michael oh, no. Bendis's Alias. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. Yep. Uh, he's hitting a low point in his costumed hero career. Uh, he's, he's around Jessica Jones. Yeah. Well, well, and he's not even around her. She mm-hmm. is investigating the drug dealer of mutant growth hormone, Denny Haynes, uh, who is the boyfriend of a strung out Maddie Franklin, who was the sometimes spider woman um, mm-hmm. who and uh, and Denny Haynes says, quote, listen, no offense, but if I'm getting taken down, man, it ain't going to be from fucking speedball. <laughs> yeah. When a drug dealer is like, send someone else. Yeah. Like listen, I need at least a B lister. Right. right. Yeah. You know, and then Jessica drew and Jessica Jones burst in answering his 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 plea. Um, and they assume that Speedball is another second-rate Spidey knockoff, former superhero who's down on his luck working with bad guys. That's really funny coming from Jessica Drew. It's, it's <laughs> yeah. It, I mean, I, I like the character, but I'm saying like, yeah, it, you know, she was literally hit the, yeah, anyway. Yep. Yep. All the things. Mm-hmm. So it turns out though, Speedball was trying to bust any hands and he's working specifically with the NYPD undercover. Which kind of, I mean, he's acting as undercover, but also there's a snitchy aspect to it. So this, this sounds a lot like I think. Uh, oh God, was it a uh, Ultimate Comics uh, mm-hmm. run with Miles Morales's dad Jefferson? I think there was the most there was unfortunately named black man character Jefferson Davis. Yeah, no, yeah. it's I don't know what Michael Bendis was thinking, but then again, it, it, maybe it was like we're taking it back. Like yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I I just love that. Like when Saladin Ahmed uh, actually wrote uh, Miles Morales, th- you know, somewhere in his mind he was like, "What if he actually spoke Spanish because he's Afro Latino?" Whatever. Right. Anyway, so <laughs> back to Bendis. Um, but yeah, I think that that reminds me of a uh, the thing where the I want to say it was like busting a drug dealer who was selling mgh um Mm -hmm. that was a big thing in the early 2000s was mgh and then there was also sgh i think it was because they were like kind of because the ultimates had come out by that point yeah and so the idea of was it hank pym or bruce i was gonna say bruce boxleitner no uh bruce banner Mm -hmm. (laughs) not the guy who played tron um, but Bruce Banner, uh, one of them was trying to recreate the super soldier serum and had tried it on. Oh, it had to be Bruce. Yeah. Tried it on himself. And that was the origin of, of the Hulk and Ultimates. Uh, something like that. Something like that. that right? right. Yeah. yeah so yeah. like in the early 2000s, there's a yeah. huge push toward like injectable superhero-ness, which mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, that's right around the time that you have the baseball uh stuff coming to the fore in terms of they s- sit up there in front of congress yeah yeah and lie um, about it was it so. sammy sosa and uh mark mcguire, mark McGuire. all them yeah. roger clemens yeah mm-hmm. so i mean that yeah. all kind of kind of cons and then you also have you know the the onset of meth it's true entering into the the uh, the human zeitgeist i've actually I've, i'm doing research right now on um the tv show being human um uh that was uh the american one yeah yeah i think i know of that show yeah Yeah. it's amazing but it comes out right at the time that the opioid crisis is hitting huge and it's like oh well this is clearly a one-to-one yeah um you know you've got basically the vampire is heroin addiction you know and and then you've got werewolf is meth 
meth yeah. insanity, you know, and stuff like that. So it's yeah. that that one's uh, the research that I'm doing, you know, for fun, <laughs> fun opioid crises. Uh, Woo! Yay, yeah. Purdue! Yeah. <laughs> like, just not cool. Um, but yeah. in the, in the early 2000s, like uh-huh. injectable stuff is kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, they're, they're working on that and we really don't see him again until the middle of 2005 when the new mm-hmm. warriors get another reboot and the artwork for this, I didn't look up the artist for this, but I hate this style of art. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, there's no approach to looking realistic. It's, it's hyper cartoonized. Okay. Um, I, I can't even think of a cartoon that does it this badly, but, um, Anyway, you know, it's subjective, but the new warriors hop on the pathetic train of reality TV Uh, in the mid 2005, because again, reality TV is a big deal at this point. You've got Mm -hmm. uh, Paris Hilton and the simple life. Mm -hmm. Um, It was dismal and speedball was still zany, but there was a desperation to him now. Um, No, No one does reality TV because the career's going well. Yeah, that's really good point. Uh, And he really needed the TV thing to work out. And this was Marvel's way of guiding them toward being the inciting incident for the Civil War in 2006. Mm -hmm. And that's, I think, where I want to cut this episode, because that's what I really want to discuss. So, of course, I'll spend an entire episode not discussing it just so we have the background. Mm -hmm. And next week, you all will hear that Speedball goes from being this happy-go-lucky, horny Spider-Man to a liberal martyr fantasy. So mm-hmm. that's that's where I want to go. Um, so uh, anything that you've uh, I always ask Ed what he's gleaned from mm-hmm. from from the episodes. So anything that you've picked up or uh, any, any gleaning that needs to be discussed? Yeah. So being unfamiliar with the origins of Speedball, but kind of knowing where the character goes after a while, it really does seem in that vein of like the nostalgia that sours. Mm-hmm. If that makes any sense. So like yeah. the, the, the youthful things that we enjoy just kind of curdling on the vine. Uh, because, you know, by the time you get to where we'll be talking about next time, he goes through quite a bit as evidenced by just the, the conceit of having a reality TV show as a superhero in narrative. Like, mm-hmm. that's rough. Um, oh, yeah. Because it does sort of scream of it's very, it's very, uh, what's it? Rock of love. Bret Hart or oh or Bret. oh yeah. yeah 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 uh and or you know flavor of love with flavor, flavor of flavor right. or those sort of you know uh tv shows where you have these how does it hesitate to say washed up because I mean who am I to say but like these guys who had their glory days who are now maybe mm-hmm. taking another stab at relevance right yeah uh, they, they're they're in many ways playing parodies of themselves yeah and only a parody that uh, most of middle America is comfortable with casting them as like mm-hmm. I'd, I've, I've given thought to doing a, an exploration of comparing Flava Flav during his public enemy days to his uh, reality show days and how mm-hmm. he's so much more comfortable for white people in, oh, yeah. in that casting wearing Viking helmets versus mm-hmm. saying, fuck the police. Right. Like in many ways, it's like, oh, okay. See, he was crazy mm-hmm. back then too. Like it's a retconning that happens. Yeah. Or yeah. Uh, when uh, Gene Simmons had his family jewels show. Right. Uh, and it, oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. It was a very domesticated version of Gene Simmons. Yeah. Or Ozzy know? Osbourne. Same thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, still wild and antics, but not like, not like Ozzy antics. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's, 
Like he's not, just a doddering old man. He's not dropping acid every day for a year and they're putting that on camera, you know? Right. Like, you right. Know. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's something about the two thousands where nostalgia rots on the vine for us. Um, I think it has a lot to do with George Bush and Ronald Reagan, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and we'll get into that a bit, but, okay. but I'm, I'm glad you're catching that. I, I yeah. keep coming back to this as they, they did my boy dirty. Like, yeah. and I might be the only person that loves speedball, but like, they they messed up that character so badly like yeah <laughs> <laughs> so cool well then what are you reading uh lately uh so actually right now i'm uh, almost finished with a reread of one of my favorite uh comic books or graphic novels however you want to put it uh mm-hmm. bone by jeff smith um are you familiar at all no it's a it's a fantasy story um, set in a valley with like dragons and rat creatures and stuff. And it's the lead character, um, Phone Bone, is a he and his cousins are in exile in, mm-hmm. out of their town after one of his cousins gets him uh, or gets them run out because of a mayoral candidate run gone terribly awry involving some bad prune tarts and a campaign funding. It's a whole thing. Uh, <laughs> accidentally gives the town diarrhea as part of a campaign and whatever it's goofy it's goofy it's fun it's lighthearted. there's he's not the only one running for mayor he's not um in fact a lot of them were yeah Yeah. so it's 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 goofy and it's fun and it's it's fantasy and stuff uh it's a it's a fun read but the other thing um i'm reading currently is and i want to plug is a comic book by dark horse uh comics called survival street uh and the premise is that it's a sort of um, extreme libertarian conservative utopia where corporations are granted personhood. Yeah. Yeah. Oh boy. And, and so the, the it follows a group of puppets who are alive, right. Okay. Uh, who were a part of, uh, I forget exactly what it was called at the beginning, but it, they become known as like survival street. There was like the Sesame street analog. Right. Uh, and so when things, when PBS gets defunded and everything goes privatized and they get like sold off or whatever, um, they become guerrilla fighters. Uh, and so the, you have like, for example, a Oscar, the grouch parallel who, um, recycles, uh, things into like weapons. So he's taking various objects to recycle into Molotov cocktails. Um, there's, <laughs> There's a LeVar Burton who is like the man in the field uh-huh. um, doing like intel and scouting and stuff. Uh, there's a Grover parallel who is a marksman. Like it's all oh, kinds awesome. of what. In the, it, oh, tell me there's like an assassin who's never seen that's Snuffleupagus. There's like, there's not. That'd be great. Oh. But there is a um, a recovering uh, ice cream junkie Uh <laughs> Who named Gurgle, who is a real problem. Oh, uh, that's awesome. So, but the the opening the opening issue, the first issue, is them trying to save some orphans who are held in a detention center, who are being adopted or auctioned off right. to the to the wealthy elites as part of like an organ harvesting thing. So it's like they're staging a jailbreak, and so oh, wow. like that's issue one. It's a four part <laughs> series, um, and it's absolutely it's great. Uh, so wow. I, it's from Dark Horse Comics. I strongly encourage people to pick it up. Pick it up. It's by James Asmus and Jim Festante. Okay, that's yeah. that's awesome. Well, I'm going to recommend. Obviously, uh, do a little pre-reading if you can. Uh, go and read Civil War Frontline. So the Civil War, when it happened, it it had a very very pervasive influence for like the year that it existed. Um, and uh, there there was a whole bunch of mini series that came out 
that tied absolutely in. And the one that I'm largely going to be drawing on for a lot of the speedball stuff next week will be from Civil War Frontline. So I recommend if you can find an omnibus of that uh, to read that. Um, it's it's really well done. And it, it has this wonderful structure at the end of each one. The epilogue is always an historical story uh, that ties into what we've been reading about in, in that month. So strongly recommend that. That's where a lot of the speedball stuff happens. So. Cool. Uh, well, uh, anything you want to plug, anything you want to tell people where you're, where you're at, what you're doing, uh, where yeah. they can find you. Um, so if you want to find me, if you're of a mind to, uh, you can find me on TikTok, Instagram, and, um, Twitter at GA Cruz PhD. Uh, I changed my handle on TikTok so that they're all the same now. Um, and I have a podcast called Office Hours with Dr. C, where we post episodes uh, weekly, uh, including some with uh, the illustrious uh, hosts of Geek of the Week, uh, Geek History of Time, excuse me. Um, and so, yeah, it's, you know, you can find me there. I do more pop culture stuff uh, and comics analysis. And um, I'm super excited because recently some would-be conservative media uh, pundit uh, on TikTok stitched me, and I'm going to go smooth in. So I'm that's my Christmas. It's coming. oh nice. Uh, <laughs> Beats the shit out of getting death threats. I'll tell you that. It well, you know, I'm glad. Uh, there was a time where I, I was getting some um, profile pictures with like the Black Sun uh, commenting things. So wow, yeah. Um, I had no, I had no idea that I was. Uh, being uh, controlled by my uh, Marxist Jewish masters or something along those lines. I don't know. <laughs> Whatever trite drivel those troglodytes come up with. Um, oh, so, you yeah. love my V episodes then. <laughs> <laughs> so cool. Yeah. All right. Yeah, uh, I do recommend you all go check him out. Um, it's wonderful bite-sized stuff. And uh, his podcast is nowhere near as long as ours. So you can get in and get out. And he has a lot more interesting guests than Ed has on ours. So uh. <laughs> i don't know you you guys have had some like guest guests we um, have yeah yeah uh, so, oh geez the, a couple authors that i was like oh wow that's impressive like yeah yeah and and i i live in such a weird little bubble that i didn't realize having Bryn Tannehill was a huge mm -hmm. coup like yeah. but uh it's kind of like what you said in the first one like if you reach out to people they often if they're famous for saying things they'll often mm -hmm. want to say more things so oh, yeah yeah, no, I, I loved having her. We also had um a pinball expert on in our early 20 episodes. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, we've we've had a few. It's been it's been nice. So uh, but I I just I got very interested in nerdy's uh uh music after that. So I was I was stoked as yeah. to to hear yours. Um, so if people want to find me, uh you can uh go looking for me uh in, in these streets um in Sacramento if you want to come <laughs> by and see the uh the pun competition, capital punishment, uh, November 4th. Uh, cause I'm pretty sure this will drop after the, uh, well, actually it might drop by October 7th. So October 7th and November 4th, uh, down at Luna's in Sacramento, bring proof of vaccination and $10 and be willing to participate by shouting out pun topics. Uh, my, my group, uh, the show has undergone a huge change. My partner of six years, Daniel has moved away to Hawaii and we now have Justine with us, and she is phenomenal. She is the major Winchester to his Frank Burns. Uh, so it's 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 amazing. She's she's come check her out. She's amazing, uh, and see if I can keep up. Uh, so that'll be October seventh and November fourth, and hell December second if we're booking that far out. Uh, but in the meantime, uh, you can find me at Duh Harmony on Twitter. 
and Instagram. That's that's about it. So, uh, well, uh, Gabriel, thank you so much for joining us on a Geek History of Time. Uh, for Geek History of Time, I'm Damien Harmony. I'm Dr. Gabriel Cruz. All right. And until next time, I believe Ed says, uh, with great power comes great responsibility. I thought it was keep rolling 20s. I, he changes it on me. I don't know.